Welcome to the 90s Kid Book Club Podcast, where we indulge in nostalgia, dust off our favorite books from growing up, and discuss how they shaped a generation. Hey, we're your hosts. I'm Monica. And I'm Amy. And we are not scholars, authors, historians. We're just two 90s kids who love talking about it with each other and now with you. So welcome to 90s Kid Book Club. Hey, Monica. Hey, Amy. So this is our Halloween kickoff, our spooky season kickoff. And I am so excited for our lineup for October. Oh my gosh, me too. So many good 90s classics, so many things that were just so influential to me. Um, And we're recording on October 1st. I know! Official kickoff of the spooky season. It's official. We've been like pre-gaming all of September, and now here we are, October 1st. Finally. Finally. Getting into the spook. Wearing spooky matching t- uh, sweatshirts. Yep. Shout out to Wild Roots Designs, Ooh, who designed Roots. our sweaters. A good gardening friend of mine as well. But if you're interested in any holiday attire, she's got you covered. And we'll post We'll post them. Yeah, you'll see all over our social media as well. Our twinsies. Um, but just to give you guys context, our spooky sweaters have um, like every spooky thing you could think of. Black cats, mushrooms, skeletons, potions broomsticks, witch hats, everything you could think of. And you've got about 50% of that already as tattoos on your body. Yes, we got uh, three other tattoos yesterday. Um, and there, it's like got all the plastic all over it. But yeah. I do want to show you. Yeah. So we did a Whoa. planchette. Oh, that's so cool. For those that don't know, a planchette's the little thing you move around on a Ouija board. Ooh, and then an a, eye on it. it has an eye on it that ties into my evil eye. Yeah. And then we also have a candle that's behind that. Cool. And then we did the Ooh, tree roots yeah. down my elbow. That does look like it hurt. I already have a massive um, tree that's down my back or down the back of my arm. And so I wanted, I was was hesitant to do like a circular elbow tattoo. Yeah. Like everybody does yeah. spider webs and uh-huh. stuff like that. Um, and so I, I was like, what, what can I do? Um, and came up with tree roots and was like, yeah, that's what we're doing. So well, now it's going to look even cooler when you get old and wrinkled and they're like yeah. early roots. <laughs> and they're like in Uneven every crevice. And, yeah, and... <laughs> yeah, that'll age well. Love it. Love it. So. I always forget how dark, because you have all black tattoos, well, basically yes. all black tattoos, like how dark it is at first. Yes. Because compared to all your other ones, it's are so black. And I remember the one on your shoulder, you got it was oh. like intensely black. It you was like, so oh intense. Gosh. I was like, did I just get a blackout tattoo? Yeah. Um, and but now it's, it's totally, faded yeah. to, yeah, it looks totally like calm. clouds and... <laughs> and normal things and I was so afraid it just looked like a, it just looked black I was so scared um but yeah so pretty much I've got that entire spooky you know theme going on my on my arm but I did want to ask you Uh-oh. when you were a kid in the 90s mm-hmm. did you enjoy being scared no no so do you weren't a kid who like watched any no. spooky things no. what about like kid related Halloween things I loved Halloween but I loved the like cutesy fun yeah like I, 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 okay. So we've talked a lot about my crushes, and this is really turning into like 
<laughs> our pre-roll to the podcast is turning into like who was Monica crushing on in the 90s but I legit had a crush on Frankenstein like thought that was a legitimate thing you could have it's like a crush on a monster um I think that came from the toy in the 90s do you remember the little Frankenstein I don't know if you had this but it was a toy and it was a little Frankenstein it was like a robot it was maybe a foot tall and it, uh, its chest would open up what? and it had like a beating heart and you would hit all of the buttons and stuff and you would basically create Frankenstein. What? And he was like, he would say things, oh, what is it? I'm going to have to pull it up for you because I, I just, I have, you I have, have no to. recollection of that, but I saw the spooky as like misunderstood. Ah, I'm going to save them. Yeah, but not, <laughs> not scary. And then when it came to like true scary things, I could not do that until... Like your apartment in Brookhaven when yeah. we started watching those scary movies. Yep. Of course, because you're living with Blaine and I and we're like. And Josh. Yeah. And Josh we're was just living with so you at the time. It. So the four of us would sit and watch all the scary movies. And no joke until like, that was graduate school. That yeah. That wasn't even college. That was graduate school. I yep. could not handle true scary, like true macabre stuff. I liked spooky, but not. Oh my gosh, Big Frank. Did you ever see this? It was a commercial on Nickelodeon. And he would be like, oh. Uh, He would like make like groaning sounds and he would be like, um, fix me. And like you'd have to open up his little shirt area, his chest, and you'd have all these little toys that you could Uh, press, like operate on him. Okay. Pretty much. Maybe I play school. Um, I, no, I am not familiar with that. I was not aware of that, but he's a hunk. I get it. I was all about it. So when you say, you know, you were crushing on him, like, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, I, uh, I always loved the spooky, but not like not horror. Yes. Like there's a difference. Yes. Right? No, there's a huge difference. So I love and then there's gory and there's spooky yeah. and there's, you know, that I'll get into that too. But I also grew up in a very religious Christian household. Like I wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween. I think the first really? couple years of my life. And then when my mom did allow us to go trick-or-treating and actually celebrate Halloween, I could only be an angel, a princess, oh, like good something, things, yeah, not yeah. evil things. Ooh, I told Josh that That's recently. so weird because I don't imagine your mom like that at all. So that's, that's super strange. That's exactly what Josh said is like, yeah. I would love to know her reasoning behind that. And I was like, well, I'm sure she has some like memory of why, but also she was just in a very different headspace. Like, yes. She had just had young children. There yes. was like the satanic panic. Oh, she was yes. was very religious. And so that influenced the context. And the people around was... her. And yeah. especially in Georgia, too. This well, we is... were in South Florida. But... Well, same thing. It's it's the Bible Belt. It's yeah. the South. Surrounded um... by our other family who are also religious. So I think it kind of makes sense when you think about like her at the time. But yeah, yeah her now, no. Absolutely no. not. Like, she sits on the <laughs> fortune hands out candy every halloween and dresses up and decorates her now she's feeding it to the young souls of this generation but your generation no my generation no she comes over around (laughs) halloween time she's got some craft or fun thing to do with my kids yeah she's totally bought into it but at the time yeah it was that's so funny it was a different case it's just funny because i know her and that's just like not how she is last episode i told you she won the halloween decorating yes i can't hear what what the so yeah, to hear that our listeners like, are like, what? what? <laughs> we contain multitudes, okay? 
She's a complex woman. People change their minds, okay? Around on Halloween. She's on our side. But yeah, so I, um, so I, going back to my original statement, which was that I grew up very religious, that impacted a lot of my relationship with the macabre and the spooky and the dark and Halloween even, where I think part of it is like, if you're stifled, you kind of rebel against it and like go towards it. So like knowing how much I love Halloween and spook, it's like, okay, it kind of makes sense. I literally wasn't able to celebrate it when I was really young, but I was very, very young. But um, also my religious context has made me so uber ultra scared of the reality of ghosts and the reality of demons and the reality of possession that it's not just this like spooky thing that you can watch and get over like yeah when you grow up with that religious context these things are so real and so out there and even watching it like predisposes you yes. to it happening to you yeah they say it opens brain. yeah it opens it doors opens and up, yeah it breaks your spirit down and so i'm like i was very much against it for a very long well, time well i think like i kind of say i see this even in today's society um in terms of like my sister follows a lot of conspiracy theories and one of them that she regularly brings up is like satanism within hollywood satanism within high like political figures and things like that um and it it kind of blows my mind because it's clearly still a fear and theme of this current zeitgeist if you will yeah it's like a zeitgeist of this generation but also if you know anything about the satanism movement yeah it's not actually worshiping satan no it is a rebel against true organ yes organized religion religion. it's just a bunch of people who are like i think the illuminati has some ties that are with weird what people might have called Satanism yeah, at one I, I point in time. I believe that than like the true church of Satan. And there's, yeah, lots of different, anyways. So lots of conspiracies out there. If Satan is something that is still feared. Um, I was definitely a kid who liked being scared, but I liked how, I liked spooky things in all genres. Mm-hmm. My favorite movie growing up, like as a kid that was kid appropriate was, um, it wasn't Sleepy Hollow. Is the Disney version Ichabod Ichabod Crane? Yeah, I think they called yeah. it like the stories of Ichabod Crane or oh, something God. like that. But it, I loved that the Headless Horseman. Yeah, loved that story. Yeah. Scared me as a kid. Right, scared me to death. Loved it. Loved all the Disney villains. I had a nightmare one time about the witch from Sleeping Beauty. Uh-huh. What what's her name? I know they have a whole movie about her now. Yes, Maleficent. She like haunted me in my dreams. Oh my gosh. She like in my dream I remember this this nightmare to this day. I was in my apartment with like with my mom and my sister and we were sleeping and I was the first person awake in my dream. I was my I was the first person awake which was not odd that was always the case in our house. I've always gotten up early. So I get up early in my dream and there are a pair of high heel shoes that in my dream are my mom's. And they're walking themselves down the hallway of the oh, apartment. No. Mm-hmm. And in my dream, I know it's her. It's oh, Maleficent no. who's doing this. You know, it's the Disney villain that's doing this. But it scared me so much that to this day, I still remember that nightmare. It's crazy. And don't wear heels. Don't wear high heels. Well, can to this it? day, I don't wear high heels. <laughs> That'd be hilarious if that were true. <laughs> I don't regularly, but, but I... 
<laughs> haven't made it a point because of that nightmare. Um, I also played with Ouija boards, hence yeah, I have yeah. the planchette. Mm-hmm. I did seances. I did the Bloody Mary thing in the mirror where you say her name three times. Yeah. I did that. I've only done that in a sparkle skate rink with all the other girls. Oh, yeah. And they like force all the kids in and then like blink the light yes! on and off but you're surrounded by like bathroom yes. stink and there's literally like <laughs> toilet paper rolling around on your wheels it's not I have the same right story I did it in like a teen center growing up when I was like a preteen after school I would go to this center that was called the teen center all the kids did and um we would we did the same thing me and the girls huddled in the bathroom in the stink room you know <laughs> sitting there bloody mary bloody mary that's where she's going to appear <laughs> The whole thing is that your mind starts playing tricks on you in the dark and it's like you see your face and then it kind of morphs into her face. None of that's going to happen if you're just flicking the lights on and off and there's a bunch of screaming girls around. It's just like the fun. But I do think it's funny that a lot of horror revolves, well, I can think of two things, maybe not a lot, but it is a common theme, bathrooms and horror and being scared. And it's like, because you're vulnerable. You're so vulnerable. If you're taking a shit or you're in the shower, you can't. (laughs) Or you're in your bed. The bed, the shower, and the shitter. Under the bed terrified me as a kid. I was so afraid. In the closet. I was so afraid there was something in there. Let me ask, what was under your bed? Toys. Like in your head? Oh, oh, it was always like a monster. It was always something like that I couldn't see really. That's like under there. A a hand grabbing me. That was always a fear of mine. Mine was always a witch and she was going to eat my toes. (gasps) Oh, why your toes? I don't know, but I've heard that from other people. It's a common thing that I don't know if it was a story that was told to us or if it's just like this innate fear that kids have, but it's why my toes always had to be covered because there was a witch under my bed and she was going to come eat my toes. Well, that might be our segue into our book this week. Okay, okay. So this week, we are covering Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by... Alvin Schwartz. I think that's how you say it, yep. Illustrated by Stephen Gamble. And in the first one, just to get us started, and then we'll go into the background and we'll give summaries and stuff. But then one of the very first stories of the first book there's three of them the very first one is the big toe oh no do you remember the no but i do remember that story there was was no oh oh they they might have eaten the toe in a stew yes um but a boy finds a toe and he ends up eating it with his father and then the ghost of the man with the missing toe comes back and haunts the boy yes where's my toe (laughs) Freaking terrifying, but maybe that has to do with your yeah. your toe. Well, <laughs> scary witch toes. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, dead man's tongue was in Hocus Pocus. I wonder if there was yeah. anything about toads or toes or anything dead. like that. No, it was dead man's toe. Was it? Was it? it? Their spell was dead man's toe. Dead oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Something about toes. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That might be it. Yeah, so Alvin Schwartz wrote three of these collections of short horror stories called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That's what we're going to be focusing on this week. There are three of them, though. So Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was first published in 1981, contained 29 short horror stories. More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, published in 1984. It contained 28 horror stories. And then the third installment was 
published in 1991. So Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones. And that had 25 short stories. So I read number two, More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and Amy read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the original, 29 stories. So we're going to share with each other the stories that we read, what was most impactful, what we remember, but I will tell you, I, I remember the big toe. And there was one very similar in my book. Oh, what was it? It was um, a lady was had died and was stood up in a casket in her home as like, you know, they used to sit with the body. Yes. That was the thing. It was like Yes, it's still a tradition in like the Philippines or in Vietnam or something like that. And in um, Judaism, I believe there's a 24-hour sit sit oh. with them because apparently when the soul passes Goes, within yeah. 24 hours you sit with them so that they're not alone anyways the, they were sitting someone was sitting with the body and they her eyes were open so they closed them and put coins over her eyes yes yeah 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 and i've heard of that tradition someone came in and stole the coins and she went and haunted him and was like where's my coin yeah <laughs> So very similar. Similar theme. You can tell he kind of got that from the same, like, rooted story. Or at least, if it's not the same original story, you can tell that each of these scary stories taps into some primal yes. well, innate fear. I read that in the first book, that he, he wrote a little passage that explains where he got some of the ideas for it. And mm-hmm. he said they're rooted in folklore. Yeah. And so these must be stories that... You know, if we had the time, we'd dig into the all the history of each one. But um, I definitely found common trends between urban legends I remember hearing as a kid. Also, in 1998, the movie Urban Legends was released. So yeah. it seems like these, you know, storytelling. Also, Nickelodeon had Are You Afraid of the Dark? Right. So exactly it's like this. this type of scary storytelling was, you know, very much a theme in the 90s. And I'm sure people would argue prior. Um, but sticking to our 90s theme. Yeah. Uh, one story that was in the first one as well was called High Beams. And it's about this yes. girl who's in a car and she's getting... She's getting followed by a red truck and the truck is flashing his lights at her and following her. Like if she sped up, he sped up. If she slowed down, he slowed down. Um, And it turns out that the guy that was following her was actually protecting her from a guy with a knife that was in her backseat. I might be making up the knife. Nope. No, it is a knife. Yeah. Yep. And every time you pop up, the guy in the red truck would flash his lights to try and prevent the guy from doing anything. And warn her. Yes. Yeah. Um, I remember that. And I remember that being an urban legend. Like, yes. It's hard to know what started first because these books came out in the 80s. We were 90s kids. So yes. Like, did some older sibling read that and then like turn it into some crazy story they were telling all of the other kids? Or is it again this like it's just rooted in these stories that are yes. everywhere and it ultimately taps into our primal fears, which a lot of them is death and dying and. The unknown. I mean, it's always something that has to do with the unknown. And death is something that humans in general, we've always had this, we want to know why and how and what happens. And and... a lot of them revolve around grief, if not just death and dying. Like, Mm -hmm. there's stories of grief that come after. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think there's ultimately this. And he mentioned, so um, Alvin Schwartz 
researched for each book it was about a year of research oh wow so he didn't just slap these story 29 stories together he was really doing the research on like what are the original stories how can i trace it back to the original what's the purest form of this where did it originate and Whoa. I know in my book, um, book number two in the very back he had explanations for like what regions each of these stories came from or like what was the the root of this particular story that is super cool. Yeah, so he's definitely done the research. Um, and he mentioned that he eventually was kind of seeing patterns in these. So I think ultimately there's like the hitchhiker story. There's a haunting yes. story. Yes. There's a buried alive story. Yes. Like there are these well, themes that have different variations depending upon the culture or wherever it's coming from. But, but we do have these common themes yeah. among all these different stories. It reminds me of... In college, they made me read Gilgamesh at a certain point in time, mm -hmm. and I could not get through the book without drawing the similarities to the Bible, to Genesis in particular. And um, it, it, it told me basically it was a common theme. A giant flood is a common theme in a lot of different religions, um, a lot of different stories. And so, you know, it makes you think, okay, there probably was a great flood yeah. at some point in time. We have them all the time. Yeah. But you know, mm -hmm. it's interesting to see how history, you know, these stories stay the same. Yeah. You know, throughout history. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, do you remember a story about the girl with the red scarf? It was a big story that was by this author back in the ribbon. day. The green ribbon. Is it? What's your, what do you remember of so, the story? The, and this was truly the only one that I remember. And was before. it in your book? It was not in my book. Okay. It wasn't in my book either that I recall. So the girl with the green ribbon, I think is in the third one? Because I, the, again, the only one that I remembered, and I was like, oh, we have to talk about that one, but that this girl had a green ribbon around her neck. She got married, never took it off, told her husband, don't ever take this off. Yeah. He did, and her head fell off. Yep. <laughs> Yes. So that is definitely the same story that I remember. Why did that one stick with us? I don't know. And you said it was in the third one? I believe it's in it's the It's probably third. in the third one. Well, because if it wasn't in yours and it wasn't in mine, it Well, that's a good point be because he did another book that was called In a Dark, Dark Room, I believe. Yep. Yeah. In a Dark, Dark Room and Other Scary Stories. And that one had the girl with the red scarf. I think it's variation. a variation. I bet it is just like the big toe in your story yeah. was a different variation. I'm thinking yeah. it's very similar. Um, yeah, that one stuck with me. That one and then um, Harold, the scarecrow. Yes. That came to life. But That I one's in the know. movie. Yeah, they bring that I don't one out know if in the it's movie. because of the visuals from the movie. And so I guess we should mention that there is a movie that came out. Uh, what year was that? Let's see. I got you. August 9th, 2019. So 2019, a movie came out that contained some of the most iconic stories across all of these books. And so I know Harold was in that one. He was like a big character yes. in that one. And so I don't know if it's because of that visualization, that in the red spot. 
the red spot on a girl's on the girl's face. face. Yes, thought it was a, zit. and it gets bigger and bigger, and then spiders come spiders out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Which do you remember in the nineties? There were those chain mail stories. Where yes, you had to pass on the email. Send mm-hmm. this to five people, and then they send it. We to talked five a little people. bit about it when we talked about the Jesus face that you would see in yes. the chain email, and then look at a blank wall, and Jesus would, you know, yeah. was what's so, the word? Yeah. There was like transposed on. The, yes, yeah. thank you. I was like dispose. No, that's not it. Something pose. Thank you. So um, there was there was one that traumatized me. It was uh, two actually, which kind of go in line with these urban legends. But one was that um, a woman had a bump on her tongue, and mm. went to the doctor. It kept getting bigger and bigger. This was in a chainmail sent to yeah. a child. I'm yeah. a child. Yeah. Chainmail of a woman who had this bump it's growing bigger and bigger she goes to the doctor he cuts it open baby cockroaches oh no climb all over her mouth okay that's like a i'm not afraid of a lot of things i feel like in life maybe i just build myself up in my head that i'm stronger than i am but one of the things i'm afraid of are cockroaches they're disgusting and to imagine it in your in your mouth mouth. oh my gosh we went camping i haven't even told you we went camping just one night on friday so a couple days oh so is this week oh my god okay the only bugs that i saw around were stink bugs oh yeah lily calls them turtle bugs i don't know if that's a common thing or if she made that up but they look like they have little turtle shells so it's pretty smart one flew into my mouth, into my mouth. Like it was flying. It had a trajectory. I got in the way. I was talking. My mouth was open. It didn't go completely in like the yeah, top, in your... but it hit the insides of my mouth, hit my lips, and I tasted stink bug smell. No. I swear to God. So I smelled it on my face, and then I could kind of taste it, and then I took my shirt and like wiped my mouth. And you smell it forever. Yeah. Oh my God, that's like, terrifying! Well, we gotta go. We've gotta go. We're leaving now. <laughs> we gotta go. I can't do this. We gotta go. We were at a little playground area, and we went back to camp. And I'm like rinsing my mouth and changing my shirt. And Lily was like, "Mom got a bug in her mouth." <laughs> you don't even know. Oh, so so gross. So I was like, I can't even process what just happened right now because talk about being violated and yes. like vulnerable is like now it's in my mouth that's like worst case do you remember when we had that abnormal psych class yes i remember that class so well and i'll have something else to tell you about that class i think it was abnormal psych or maybe it was is one of jarvie's one of jarvie's classes yeah. because i remember it this coming from his mouth and i was like that is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. He said so many bizarre things. <laughs> I feel like we can say that now. He's passed. <laughs> Rest in peace, Jarvie. <laughs> he was also one of my mentors in school, so I'm sure he'd be laughing at whatever we're going to say. <laughs> he loved being a shocker. Yes. And I think that's something about he has in common with Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamels. Apparently, they loved the shock factor. Yeah. So like these stories being so gruesome and gory and dark and macabre was kind of what they were going for. Anyways, back to my story. Um, he he tried to to get our whole class, this was a psychology class, down this line of thinking about dissecting why it is we're scared of cockroaches. Oh, I remember. I know exactly what you're about to say. Of course, I remember this. Any female yeah. who heard what Monica's about to share. You would remember. For I'm, and I want to apologize now to all of our female <laughs> listeners because we're going to just pass this haunting on down to y'all. <laughs> When you hear it, you have to share. But if you are sensitive to cockroaches or any kind of body horror, just go ahead and skip like 15 seconds. 
But he took us down this line of thinking that was like, the only reason women are scared of cockroaches is because you're scared it's going to crawl into your vagina. Into your holes, basically, yeah. And it that has never actually, before his class, ever been my thought. It's never occurred it's to never me. never been my, my I fear. I still don't have that fear. I don't know where he got that from. I don't, again, shock factor? Or if he's <laughs> trying to bring this to some Jungian, like, what is the ultimate root of our fear? He tried to make it a thing. It's not. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> the fact that you heard it in your class and I heard it in my class and you were a year below me yes. and we were in different classes yep. means he perpetuated this. Yes. This was well, said multiple times. And he definitely was somebody, even in my lunches with him, he was somebody who would say something off kilter because he wanted you to like correct him. He wanted you to like jump in and say what your thoughts were. As somebody who's like very high anxiety, <laughs> I did not regularly like fight back at what he right. would say. I would just sit there and listen, you know, and be like, yeah. whoa, he's weird, you know? <laughs> and looking back on it now and the relationship that I ended up having with him towards the end of his life, I see it very differently. But yeah, yeah. It, it's no, I'm not afraid of cockroaches crawling in my holes. No. No. Well, and if, I mean, I I do see it from his perspective. If you're going to interact with these young people only for a year or two of their lives and you want to make an impact, at least make them question what they believe and why they believe it. Or why you're afraid of things you're afraid. I mean, it's valid questioning. And challenge Um, people to challenge you even. Yes. that's That's a really great psychology teacher tactic. But I am absolutely traumatized from that conversation. Yes! It has stuck with me for... Ever. How long was that? 10 plus Over. Years yeah. 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways... We're trying to do math again. We're not going to do it. No, we're you not You can't get us, you guys. You can't <laughs> try <trying>. it. <laughs> not doing the math. Um, and then I, I had one other chain letter I've got to share with you, which is, again, being sent to a child. How this got to me, I don't know. It was the internet in the early, you know, 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. I don't think, I don't think they were trying to send to children. I don't know. Families were crazy back then. Like, if you, you, seven years bad luck, if they didn't send it to you, Monica, that's a lot of pressure. That's a (laughs) lot. Got to carry it on. So, of course, now I'm sending this to five other kids. Like, what was I thinking? Traumatizing five more people. Yeah, so sorry if you got sent this chain mail by me, but one was about how when you get gas at a gas station, you always have to look underneath your car before you get in it because there will be a man underneath who's going to slice your Achilles heel and then take you in the vehicle. That is terrifying. Did you get that one? No, but I did get plenty of backseat. You like check your backseat, check yeah. your trunk. And it was like, um, this could save your life. Share this. Oh, always. Always. People. Yeah. And I thought it was a legitimate thing. Like, how? So you're sending scary? to like every single person you know. You're just like, oh my God, somebody's on your car. <laughs> I've got to save their lives. It reminds me of a. Uh, it was an urban legend. My godmother, uh, my godmother basically like raised me and my sister growing up. And one of the things that she told, we would go to the movies a lot. And one of the things that she told us to be wary of were, and this sounds crazy oh, no. looking back. I'm like, scared of what you're even going to say. And being at like a, being, <laughs> having knowledge of substance abuse therapy um, and having had previous roles that heavily involved that, yeah. this is absolutely bizarre. Oh, no. She mentioned uh, being afraid, like looking at your seat before you sit down in a movie theater. And she said that people would put needles in the seats 
And so you didn't want to prick yourself. Same thing with like public restrooms. You never wanted to to like actually touch a public restroom because drugs were going to be in there. And it's and, like, like get on your skin. I don't or? freaking know, Monica. Lots of fears about drugs back in the nineties. <laughs> it's like nobody was putting their drugs out on on movie theater seats for free for other people for other people. Consume. You know what I mean? Oh, she it's, meant needles like syringes. I think looking back on it now, that's kind of how I interpreted it in tie with the drugs might be on your toilet seat, and somehow you're gonna consume it through your ass cheeks. I don't know how that's gonna happen. Well, what she might have meant about the needles in the seats thing is. Like, remember they used to say that needles would be in apples and stuff? Like yes, razors yes, and apples in Halloween. Halloween candy and stuff. And yeah. I will say my cousin has a horrifying story where she was at a playground in the 90s and someone had screwed into the plastic slide screws from the outside in so that when a kid slid down it, it would rip them up. Oh my God. And one of... The people that she, one of the kids she was with went down. <gasps> oh my God, that's terrifying. So it happened and people are really fucked up. But also there were these other stories that just that stem took it and ran with it and spun stuff. Like there's now like sewing needles in the seats yeah. at the movie theater. Like yeah. everywhere you go could hurt you. And still can. Even worse now. <laughs> yeah. Now it's usually involving mass shootings, but back then it was needles. You and don't know, man. <laughs> it's always something to be afraid of. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's something. I mean, you clearly love Halloween. I clearly love Halloween. There's something about it, even if it's like a spooky kid level. Because I even loved, like I was saying, I loved cartoons. I loved anything that was related to Halloween. Still to this day, something I love about my nieces and nephews is they bring new Halloween kid content to me and I get to watch that at home. Like I'm watching that in my free time, like enjoying my time. (laughs) Like that's something I want to do. Um, So every year when a new cartoon comes out, that's, you know, like it could even be like Bluey's Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. I love those. Yeah, I me love too. those. And I just um, love Bluey. So there's something about being scared that people yeah. like, or at least they like the spooky factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alvin Schwartz is um, the original author and meant for these to be a communal kind of storytelling event. Um, I know my husband, Josh when I was reading it, it said, oh my gosh, which one are you on? I remember the um, the meatball one. Sorry, it was called Wonderful Sausage. Oh, what? He told me that his family read these books around a campfire, like when they went camping. That's how I think the author fall. meant it because some Absolutely. of them, he'll be like scream at this yes. part, you know, and like, a lot of them end with a scream. Turn to a friend and say, you've got my money. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's yeah. how that one ends with the coins on her eyes. So yeah, he meant it to be said out loud and for it to be a communal experience. So um, he apparently, when he was writing these before he published any of them, he would sit in his bathroom and read them out loud to himself because the acoustics. Oh were my God. Can you imagine being married to him and you're just, you come home from work and you're making dinner and you just hear in the bathroom, like, you've got my toe. Yeah. Yeah. And he had kids who were really proud of him and knew that he was kind of like. I would be so proud of that. Yeah. Knew that he was kind of um, 
into rustling feathers and like appreciated who he was for that. Um, so <laughs> the, the thing about these books is yes, it's a communal experience and you want someone to read it out loud to you, but a huge part of these books and taking them in is the artwork. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. The artwork, I think, is what really, it's a huge piece of what we all remember. Yeah. Like, even the the girl with the green ribbon, when I was looking it up just now, and I saw the picture that they had in the book, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that to, to the T. I remember you know? some of the pictures They're terrifying. better than the stories. Like, I was flipping through, and I was like, oh, I remember that one. I remember that one. Yes. And some of the ones that I know that they did in the movie really well, because I'm familiar with the movie. Yes. And then looking back at the pictures, I'm like, damn, they did a good job. Yes! Like, it looks just like that. But they're truly horrifying. They all have like spindly roots and like parts of bodies that like shoot off in weird ways and like their features all look weird like he just drew these in such an intense macabre upsetting way and it really adds to the storytelling but apparently Stephen Gamble was kind of an unknown illustrator at the time Mm -hmm. so um Alvin Schwartz particularly brought him on board because of his style obviously it creates the entire <laughs> the entire experience um but people were pretty opposed to the the drawings there was a huge following to these books kids loved them but obviously parents are going to have concerns yeah. librarians are going to have concerns like what age is appropriate for some of this content because it is so dark and so it's one of those of like it's on most loved and most banned yes lists um but a lot of that was because of the artwork so on the 30th anniversary of these books um they they published the books with new illustrations by brett hellquest which i'm sure were fine but again part of the whole experience is the illustrations that go with the stories and they're iconic and they're in our brains and that is harold and what harold looks like so then if you kind of whitewash it and make it more kid appropriate people are gonna be upset so people were so upset that they had to reissue a couple years later the books with the original artwork yes damn right Damn right. Damn right. So (laughs) it is on the list of most challenged series of books, according to the American Library Association or ALA. Oh, it was listed as the most challenged series of books. So I think number one. And then in the 2000s, it kind of fell off and became less challenged. People accepted it a little bit more. So it was in seventh place of most challenged books in the 2000s. When they realized how how many people absolutely loved it. And it's not and like, torturing a fuck whole, with us. <laughs> it's not torturing a whole generation. Like we turned out. Yeah, fine, yeah, you know? no, no. Don't fuck with us millennials, man. Yeah. We'll come after you. <laughs> so people critics were saying things like, um, the fact that it involves murder, disfigurement, and cannibalism is sick and repulsive, really disgusting and not appropriate for children. Which I wanted to have a discussion with you about like what role do we have in protecting children from this stuff like i i'm very torn on it because obviously i have a child and i don't want to like torment her or traumatize her right but also like this is just kind of a part of life like the reason that fear and some of the themes in these stories and 
death and dying and maybe this is on my mind because obviously my dad has passed and that was my daughter's grandfather and how do you talk about it and how yeah. do you make it real and help her accept it but and... also protect her from anything that's you know too too much but it's like you don't know what's too but much yeah. until it's already too much and i think part of why death feels so bad in our country in the u.s and western societies really is because we don't talk about yes it. so part of me wants to talk to her about it in a very nonchalant like it happens to everyone it, yes. you will handle it at some point in your life someone will pass that you love and like this is what the experience is this is it that's part of loving people so wholly in life is that you're going to lose exactly people. it just exactly. happens or you're going to be lost and people will have to grieve you and what is that experience like so I don't know how much, yes, it needs to be age appropriate and maybe Stephen Gamble took it, or sorry, Alvin Schwartz took it a little far, but these are rooted in these historical legends that were shared with yes. everyone all around the campfire, some kids, some adults, like it taps into these ultimate fears that we have. So how much of it is our job to quote unquote protect kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly... I don't know. I mean, when I look back on my childhood, my parents couldn't have kept me from the inappropriate things. Like, I was watching Scream by second grade. You know, it's not, that wasn't because my mom put Scream on for me to watch. Right. You know, it was just something that I had access to. Um, there were definitely moments that things scared me. I scared myself a lot as a kid. I remember, you know, I couldn't sleep alone for the longest time because I was just terrified of the things that I had exposed myself to. Um, so like really what's too much? I don't know. Yeah. And like we with our psych backgrounds, we know how bad things can get. But mm -hmm. like how how much of the bad does it take? You know, everybody's different. Like well, what's what might be traumatizing side? to me is not traumatizing yeah. to you and vice versa. And well, and what's the flip side of like overprotecting your kids and they yeah. can't handle real life situations because you coddled them. Like, exactly. I don't know no, what you that want them prepared. Is. Yeah. And I think ultimately, as we're talking about this, what's coming to my mind is supervision. Like I would never want Lily to read these books on her own in yes. the dark in her room unsupervised but like josh said around a campfire and with his family and you're all going to go sleep in the same tent together and like be together afterwards and can joke about it and trivialize yes. it yeah that's so i think i think the answer is supervision and people who can help you process and make sense of what i was you're gonna consuming. say i think the big theme is support yeah is like there's so many things that happen in life that are going to scare you that are going to be terrifying you know so many different things and really the most important thing is your support throughout that yeah like knowing you know lily if she's told a scary story knowing that she can trust her family to be there for her yeah it creates almost this trusting foundation Mm -hmm. but it's also safe like a story isn't gonna hurt her yeah you know what i mean like or at least that's the 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 superficial thought on it is that a story is not gonna hurt her it's a safe uh exercise of trust almost yeah. in my mind right but, you know just off the top of my head that's how i'm thinking of it and i guess the flaw in that system is that some kids just don't have support and yes. they don't have supervision and they don't have good 
parents even nice. to yeah. kind of help them along and make or they're sense just not aware of the support they have available they might have support yeah. but they don't know what that is you know so i guess you wouldn't want all kids reading this book at like age eight on their own without any kind of outlet to like process which i think is what i was doing (laughs) which is what happened to me (laughs) which is probably why the like the ala and other associations are are erring on the side of caution of like there are kids who won't be able to handle it may be traumatized by this and don't have the correct like supervision or support to engage with these scarier concepts so we'll just ban it yeah yeah we just We'll, we'll take it out of the libraries. We won't let them read it. But again, it's like, how much can you protect a kid? Because part of this is like inoculating you to some of the real horror in real life. And so overprotecting, I feel like, is a concern as well. I agree. I absolutely agree. So since these stories are meant to be read out loud, can I read you a few that were in my book? Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I started to write down descriptions of each and I was like, that's Some of them are short. short. Yeah, some of them are super short. short. Well, and you don't get the whole effect unless you're actually reading it and they're meant to be read out loud. And there were a few that I was like, I'm going to have to this to me. This is crazy. Okay. Okay. So the first one is one of my favorites. Let me, you know, I didn't even... Mark my book, so you might hear some rustling. Here we go. So the first one that I remembered and was like, oh, this one got me. Uh, Here's the artwork. Oh my god. She is terrifying. She looks like um for any of our listeners who might be familiar with Pet Cemetery, (laughs) uh the sister in Pet Cemetery that is like falling apart and she's like dying. That's what she looks like. And that was another character who haunted me in my sleep. That just gave me chills when you said that. Does it not look like her? It looks just like her. And okay, so I'm gonna read the bride. This is from More Scaries to Tell in the Dark, so book number two. And it's on page 27 in my edition. My edition is a 2017 revised reprint of the 1984 publication. So, um, yeah, we've got a a bride-looking woman here who's terrifying and falling apart and kind of bony and spiderwebs all over her, and it's, it's scary. So, the bride. The minister's daughter had just gotten married. After the wedding ceremony, there was a great feast with music and dancing and contests and games, even old children's games. When they got to playing hide-and-seek, the bride decided to hide in her father's trunk up in the attic. They'll never find me here, she thought. As she was climbing into the trunk, the lid came down and cracked her on the head, and she fell unconscious inside. The lid slammed shut and locked. No one will ever know how long she called for help or how hard she struggled to free herself from that tomb. Everyone in the village searched for her, and they looked almost everywhere, but no one thought of looking in the trunk. After a week, her brand new bridegroom and all the others gave her up for lost. Years later, a maid went up to the attic looking for something she needed. Maybe it's in the trunk, she thought. She opened it and screamed. There lay the missing bride in her wedding dress. But by then, she was only a skeleton. Oh my god. (laughs) Isn't that awful? It's so bad. <sighs> it's like the most hopeful day of your life. You're in your wedding dress. They give up looking for you, which is a horrifying concept that people would just have to like 
give up and move on. It's definitely a fear that it reminds me of the sixth sense too. Um, but like getting locked in closed spaces while playing a game like hide and seek and getting locked in, getting forgotten about. That was a common theme that happened in Sixth Sense. He got locked in that little like closet area. It was like a Harry Potter little room. (laughs) Um, but yeah, hide and seek, terrifying. That is terrifying. Oh my god. There's also that movie. Did they call it a bridegroom though? Did they call it a bridegroom? Is that what you said? Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's a phrase. Um, there was also that movie. I'm trying to think of what it was called. Ready or not? Have you seen the movie Ready or Not? It was a 2019 film. This is the cover. It was rated R. You know, I feel like I did. I'm just a shout out to the listeners i am the worst about remembering <laughs> what movies true. i've seen why am i even asking blaine would know. yeah blaine like, would know yeah, i always watched. have to ask my husband i always have to be like did we watch that and then he'll be like yeah remember it has da 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 and i'll be like oh yeah 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 true <laughs> so it has samara weaving in it which is like the doppelganger for margot robbie a lot oh. of people think that they look very similar yeah. yeah but they play a game on her wedding night in her wedding dress shit goes down but she is a survivor at the end so spoiler alert um but um yeah so the the horror of that one is like the buried alive yes theme the hope and then dashing those hopes so quickly yeah and then finding her as a skeleton in a wedding dress like how traumatic for that maid i can't even i can't even you're Ooh. such a feeler. That I poor can't. maid. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how the dead lady felt? <laughs> and then there's this, uh, this one ripped me apart. So that I, I do want to, it's hard because I want to read so many to you. I wanted to read The Wonderful Sausage, which is yeah, Josh's, Josh's favorite. favorite. Yeah. I'll just sum it up, which is that they end up like eating people in the sausage and then once they find out the serial killer who was making sausage out of people they killed him and made sausage out of him eye for an eye damn yeah. damn wait they ate the serial killer well, monsters too maybe it's so gross maybe not it just says some say he was fed to his hogs others say he was fed to his sausage grinder but he was never seen again and neither was his wonderful sausage meat I guess Wonderful doesn't mean they sausage ate him, but meat, yeah. which meant humans. Ugh. Gross. You know what that reminds me of? Do you remember the lawsuit? I don't even know if this is real. So, I um, but there was a rumor at one point in time that IKEA was getting sued because their meatballs were horse meat. Did you ever hear this? No, but it wouldn't surprise me because when I lived in the Netherlands for that time, they ate horse all the time. Yeah, like it was yeah. just I had to ask someone because I was doing our grocery shopping. Like, what meat is this? I'm not familiar with that word. And they said, uh, horse? I was like, oh, okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Yep. Won't be getting that. I am not Thank familiar you. with that as an American, but it is much more common in other countries. Wow. So, yeah, that was something I remember. I want to tell you the other story that I remember that I've been actually wanting to bring oh, up. no. <laughs> the look on your face right now. Yes, I wanted to bring it up for so long on the podcast. Okay. But it is so inappropriate. It is so inappropriate, but it is it is a rumor that I feel like oh, no. I asked Blaine if he had heard it as a kid. He did. Okay. 
I heard it as a kid. I'm praying you heard it as a kid so Go I don't sound it. like a total okay. monster right now. But they used to, t- we've touched on it a little bit. They used to tell a lot of um, rumors about celebrities back in the day. We t- talked about how people would be called gay that weren't mm-hmm. gay at all. You know, it was just in, like, like rumors. Rumors were like rampant. Um, and it was before tabloids, like they were definitely a thing, mm-hmm. but, um, it's just a little different nowadays. Anyways, one of the rumors that went around involved Marilyn Manson, the, the singer who is nowadays, we know that he is absolutely fucked up. He's been all over the news because he's sexually abusing his partners. Um, physically abusing fi- them Yeah, like as well. awful things. Like masochistic. Yes. Gross. Yeah. Um. So anyways, Marilyn Manson had gotten a rib removed yeah. so he could suck his own dick. Oh, Did yeah, you I hear that, that rumor? Yeah. Thank God. Okay. Oh, yeah. So listeners, tell me if you heard that <laughs> as well, because that's been haunting me for like, we're on episode 10 today. Congratulations. <laughs> and for 10 episodes, I have wanted to bring up Marilyn Manson removing a rib so he could suck his own dick. <laughs> I have to bring that up. How can I fit this How in? How am I going to get this in? And it was in scary stories, because what a fucking scary story that is. Like, yeah. And if we all heard it, I was, I was in New England. It's you were in true. Georgia. Yeah. I bet you it's true. He would. He, I don't know how we can find that out. Well, how did that get around, too? Did people like, get he a copy of his medical records himself. or some shit? He like, probably, well, it's just like the, remember that gerbil rumor? Oh, Someone no, put a gerbil, gerbil in, their in their ass. ass. Yes, yeah. I do like, remember how does that, that too. How did you know like, I knew that one? <laughs> No, you know that one. Just a lucky yes, I am. (laughs) Your mom wouldn't let you dress up as a devil, but But you know the gerbil. Yeah, that got around. That got around. I did go to public school, so. So hilarious. (laughs) Sorry, you guys. Viewer discretion (laughs) advised. Okay, I do have one more. Again, this is, this like ripped me open. This one was so hard. I, this is, it was hard. Um, and I've got to say, before I get into this, so there was a podcast that I listened to a couple years ago called Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. Ooh. Highly recommend it. It's not still going. going, but it was hosted by Anna Dresden and Andrew Farmer, and they were uh, like theater drama kids that uh, were also camp counselors and oh. so they loved the drama and they're super of, animated with yes. it do they tell these stories of sharing these stories <gasps> they would share with their camp counselors when they were younger and ca- like ca- camp counselors um and so they had been friends forever and decided to then create a podcast about sharing these stories with each other the memories that they have about them and then they would read one per episode so they eventually got through the majority of the entire series but they're darling and i loved them and their relationship but then i also heard a lot of these even if i didn't read them say the podcast one more time scary stories to tell on the pod boom so yeah it was really good so this one i remember them specifically reading it to me because you know how someone reads in their like intonation and all that it came through on this one and once i read it myself in bed late one night i was like this this one might be the most brutal in my opinion so this is page 54 of again the 2017 re-release of more scary stories to tell in the dark and it's called the bed by the window The three old men shared a room at the nursing home. 
Their room had only one window, but for them, it was the only link to the real world. Ted Conklin, who had been there the longest, had the bed next to the window. When Ted died, the man in the next bed, George Vest, took his place and the third man, Richard Green, took George's bed. Despite his illness, George was a wonderful man who spent his days describing the sights he could see from his bed. Pretty girls, a policeman on horseback, a traffic jam, a pizza parlor, a fire station, and other scenes of life outside. Richard loved to listen to George, but the more George talked about life outside, the more Richard wanted to see it for himself. Yet he knew that only when George died would he have his chance. He wanted to look out that window so badly that one day he decided to kill George. He's going to die soon anyway, he told himself. What difference would it make? George had a bad part. If he had a heart attack during the night and a nurse could not get to him right away, he had pills he could take. He kept them in a bottle on the top of the cabinet between his bed and Richard's. All Richard had to do was knock the bottle to the floor where George wouldn't reach it. A few nights later, George died just as Richard had planned he would. The next morning, Richard was moved to the bed by the window. Now he would see for himself all the things outside that George had described. After the nurses had left, Richard turned to the window and looked out, but all he could see was a blank brick wall. What the fuck? What the fuck was that? Isn't that brutal? That is awful. That it's is awful. horrifying on so many levels. Like, I'm just going to off him. He has a heart condition. Uh, what if he just has a heart attack? And I just happened to throw his pills <laughs> yeah, in the just, Well, the callousness that he has in killing someone who he's friends with and lays next to him every day. The importance that that window was is so tragic and sad yes. to me. And then the irony at the end is just like, I can't even handle it. No! I can't handle it. Oh my god. Yeah, th- these stories are just so cutthroat. Some of these are just, of course they stuck with us for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Um, this one might have even been in the section called, oh no it's not. There was a section called these stories are scary and funny. <laughs> it's called the last laugh, but it's uh, it's ironic, funny, not haha funny. Yeah. But oh my gosh, that one! And then look at the art for that one. It's Just a creepy brick and, wall yeah. and a shadow of a bed. Oof, Ooh. that one really got me. So those were my favorites. Do you have any you want to read? <laughs> No, I don't okay. have it. I don't have the um, book in front of oh, me, but I right. did write down quite a few. I told you guys the high beam one and the big toe. Um, and then we talked about the girl with the green ribbon. So um, those were my favorites. Um, but th- did you ever hear that there were lots of urban legends that involved like the car and driving? We talked about it with high beams. Yeah. But there, it's also the opening scene of the movie Urban Legends. Um, that's how they start the movie off. But did you hear like something with a guy with a hook? Do you ever remember any stories as a kid about a dude with a hook? No, except for like movies. I don't. I don't think I heard urban legends. Okay, so I want to say I don't know. I, there was another story when we were kids that involved like this amputee who had a hook for a hand, and my god sister. I guess this will be our cringe story of the of the 90s for this episode. 
not that cringe, but definitely terrifying. She told the story of this guy who lived in the woods, my god sister. And of course, not any woods. He lived in the woods next to my house <laughs> in the story. And uh, he had a hook for a hand. And if you like were trying to leave, he was going to leave his hook on your door or something like that. Like if you were that, trying to leave town? Yeah. Like if you would try and like leave, he would leave so his stuck hook there. on your door. Ooh, I don't know. I don't like that. It's terrifying. My sister also told the story of the three China dolls. We were texting back and forth earlier this yes. week, and I told you You've about got this to story. Um, my sister had this story of the three China dolls, and when the more I thought about it this week, the more I think it has to. It's like a play off of the Lizzie Borden story. Okay. You know, Lizzie Borden like yeah. hacks her whole family. Mm -hmm. So in the the three China dolls, it's like each doll kills a member of the family. And me and my sister, our family was just my mom, my sister, and me, hence the three China dolls. And they oh, each no. off you in a different way. Like oh, each no. doll had a theme in her story. I, I will have to get her to tell me this story. I might even get her to tell the story and record it and get it on another podcast episode. But absolutely terrifying. So I never, I would always go over to friends' houses and they would have China dolls. And I was just like, oh, hell no. Like, no. <laughs> and they're just like, don't you love my doll? And I'm like, no. <laughs> also, what was that craze of China dolls in yes! the 80s and 90s? I had so many. I had all, okay, I had shelves along the whole top, like, border of my yes. room that were full of these special, beautiful, breakable like dolls. Some were still in packages, like, they were supposed to be worth money or something. I couldn't play with them. They were up on shelves in my room. I like just looking at them. Some of them had names, some of them didn't. And that seemed fine and normal and natural for a long time. But then um, I did have a stepsister growing up, and she developed this fear of dolls Ooh. i don't know if it was like chucky was out and about or yeah. a chucky like story got to her or this china, china dolls dolls. type story got to her <laughs> but she freaked me out so effing bad that one day we slept on the couch downstairs because we couldn't be in her room because of the dolls there and we still couldn't sleep when we were downstairs like cuddled up together on a couch because we kept imagining like little footsteps, yes. like hearing little footsteps coming down the stairs from her room. Yes. I, she made me look multiple times like, would you please just go look? Oh, and every no. time I'm like peeking around the corner, yeah. like, please no, please no, don't let there be a doll there. It was truly like a real life thing that could happen in our minds. Yes. It's very, very scary. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had so many things like that throughout my childhood that terrified me. There's just the unca uncanny valley of dolls of like it's just naturally a little bit horrifying like how much they look like people but like not really. Well, in some religions too, um, like I'm pretty sure hardcore Christians stay away from dolls that have faces on them. Well, IBLP, yeah, the yeah. the Christian organization IBLP said that um, cabbage patch dolls were evil. Yeah, from the devil. Yeah. So yeah, I had lots of those. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> well, I do have a quote from, like I said, um, Alvin Schwartz had uh, a daughter. So I think he had a couple kids. Oh, four children to be exact. Um, but his youngest daughter, Betsy Johnson, um, had this to say about him. So um, the fact that they were his books were so notorious and banned 
and people <laughs> thought they were so scary. She said, my dad was very proud of that. It meant the books were relevant and people were paying attention. It was great publicity. And he used to joke, when I die, I want my New York Times obituary to say I had some of the most banned books in America. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love that. So he's a badass. He knew what he was doing. He liked the attention. He wanted people to be reading his stories. And that's just part of part of getting the word out is that they are so scary. Yeah. You have to read them. So um, I really enjoyed this walkabout back into the scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, we will cover the movie adaptation on patreon so feel free to join our patreon if you want more um information about the movie versus the book what we thought about it what our takes are um we've already shared our our something cringe and some spooky stories um, but if you want to have yours read on the pod message us on any of our socials we're on instagram we're on tiktok threads and you can email it to 90skidbookclub at gmail.com. I guess for this week, we are done with Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And we will see you next Tuesday. And TTYL. Bye. Bye. Bye.